श्री गुरु महाराज जी की जाए महामयी की जाए समझ महाराज जी की जाए प्लीज रिपीट ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम मंगल गुरुदेवाय दिव्यमतृक्ष मंगल मंगल भक्ता बृंदेव्यू सर्वोकाय मंगल ओं स्थापकाय चर्म से सर्वधर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतार वरिष्ठा रामकृष्णय ते नम ओं जननी शारदम देवी रामकृष्ण जगद्गु परपद्मेतोस्त्रीवा प्रणमा मुहुर्मुहु ओं सारशीव सरंभम शंकरचार्य मध्यमं अश्मरचार्य प्रायत वंदे गुरु परम परम कंटिन्ुनाभगवता महापुराण We are now in the ninth skanda, chapter eleven. Last week we read chapter ten, and this section of the ninth skanda, ninth canto, is uh, dealing with primarily. At least the section we're in now is dealing with the uh, lineage of kings and of the solar dynasty. And so the the, the most famous king in the solar dynasty is Lord Ram. Right, so th- it's uh, so we've many kings are mentioned, uh, uh, and some important stories that are told in those connection connection to those great examples, exemplars. Um, but now we got to Lord Ram, and of course, the s- Leela of Lord Ram has been told th- hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times, hundreds of there three or hundred or more uh, 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 ancient virgins of the Ramayana. Right. Of course, the most famous is Valmiki, and the most popular is Tulsidas. But there's many, many, and some of them very long. Ram's, you know, how long? Like, it takes 24 hours to chant Tulsidas for Maya continuously. It takes I don't know how long it would take for Valmiki. It's many, many days. It's been I've seen it done quite something. It's a very long story. So this is in the Bhagavatam. The story is not told like that. It's told very shortly. Can almost do it in one breath, you know. There's a, there's a. You've heard that there's a the ex loci Ramayana. Do you know this? I, sh- I should look it up. I was reading the other day. I, I hmm? ex loci Ramayana, where it tells the entire story of Ram in one verse. There's also ex loci uh, um, Bhagavat that tells the whole story of Krishna in one verse. You know, it goes something. I don't have it in front of me, but Ram was born to Dasharatha, uh, uh, was exiled from the forest. Into the forest, uh, met Hanuman, made a pact with Sugriva, uh, rescued Sita, killed Ravana, came back to Ayodhya, uh, in one, in one, and, <laughs> and then it says, "Thus is that's the entire dear Ramayana." So this is this is about 40 verses. This is like the 45 verse Ramayana. <laughs> it's told a little more elaborately, but not, but still in just a, as you mentioned, like just in brushstroke, right? It's not uh, uh, because, of course, the point of the Shrimad Bhagavatam is not Ramlila. Krishna Leela. And we were joking last week that after seven, eight years of reading Bhagavatam, we've not even heard Krishna's ankle bells or flute. Almost no reference to Krishna. Sometimes he's in the background, we're getting to him. Right? It's taken so many years to get to Krishna Leela, and we pointed out last week, but it's important, many, most people weren't here last week, 
that the reason all these leaders are given, we have any so many incredible conversations and ancient stories, and then the avatar, the little avatars of, of Vamana and Narishinga, and uh, uh, here Ram is coming. Um, uh, 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 what is it? Um, Matsya avatar. All these ancient avatars are mentioned. Vamana. Uh, all these ancient rishis are mentioned. Kapila, story of Kapila Rishi, the churn of the ocean, Daksha sacrifice. So many stories are told. And that's all a preamble to Krishna Lila. Because the point is to Krishna Lila. And the essence of Krishna Lila is Rasa Lila. So very esoteric. And that's given in the 10th skanda. Right? And because it's so easy to misunderstand the language of Rasa Lila and the language of just Krishna's behavior in general, that it's, uh, we're instructed by the sages that you should understand the first nine skandhas before you read the 10th skanda. That doesn't mean we shouldn't know. We, all of us know a little bit of Krishna Lila. We should, know, it's, it, so we should know something of Krishna Lila. But to fully, deeply try to interpret the details of Krishna Lila is dangerous if you have material consciousness. Right? And so the, the whole, these nine skandhas are designed to tell us who we are, what this material nature is, the difference between the body and the soul. Right, what devotion is, how to purify the consciousness, what the purpose of life is, all these things have to be dealt with one by one. Um, I directly, I think I, maybe I don't have that verse. I scribbled a verse last week, I don't have it here. Um, uh, there's one verse that says that the point of it all is that, Naraya, and also an important point, that Narayana is, not, is beyond, automatically beyond this material consciousness so anything we as we're if we're still a material consciousness anything we think about God's going to be wrong right so so that means everything we've ever thought about God up to this point is probably mostly wrong <laughs> yet by thinking of God we purify our mind and when the mind's pure then the th thought of God is a direct revelation of God my Guruji used to say very simple he said anything the mind thinks is Maya <laughs> automatically <laughs> because the mind's in Maya anything it thinks is going to be imperfect Right, so we take our we take what we think and our opinions and understandings very seriously, right? But all these things are well, the ultimate sense are not they they uh, they don't our limited consciousness and our limited mind and our misidentified consciousness due to uh, influence of ignorance and, and ego and the like uh, anything we we try to think of that supreme absolute glorious being we're gonna, we're gonna come short. So the purpose of all this reading, all this philosophy, and all these beautiful stories, and all these discussions and about the saints and like and the avatars is to purify the mind. And so here, Ramlila is also uh, coming in that uh, progression as we go. Uh, this is the um, one of the last major stories before Krishna is told. I think Parshuram is told next. A few other uh, in that lineage is told. But primarily, um, this is a main, the last major story before we get to Krishna Lila. A few more things in the ninth skanda. Uh, and our Guruji says, uh, impresses on us many, many times, impressed on us many, many times, that the reason Ramlila is told, even just almost by the way, in just a few, ch a few chapters uh, uh, before Krishna Lila, is that to understand what, especially Ramlila, you know, Sankhya taught between the body and the soul, Pakriti and Purusha. Uh, all the different philosophers, all the different stories give us some lesson. Ram Lila teaches what? Everybody knows Ram is the example of Dharma. dharma right? So that's the thing. If we don't have Dharma, we could very dangerous to move into the emotional realm of Krishna. Right? Because in the story, in, in, in the Lila of Krishna, it's all bhakti, it's all emotion. It's all, the, not just emotion, it's beyond emotion. 
right? A pure devotion. But the devotion and, and a type of devotion that goes beyond dharma. Krishna says, give up all dharma and just worship, just surrender to me. Right? At the level of the type of devotion that's mentioned in, uh, in, the, in Krishna, that, that Krishna uh, um, the stories of devotion between Krishna and the gopas and the gopis is beyond dharma. Actually, in every story, dharma seems to be broken in Krishna Leela. Right? So it's very dangerous if you just like, jump to that and say, oh, it doesn't, the rules doesn't matter, uh, society doesn't matter, family traditions don't matter, scriptures don't matter, as long as I love God, it's all that matters. That's true. Right, but there's very great danger of illusion, potential for illusion by this thought. We're not grounded in dharma. You can't uh, first Krishna's before Krishna in the Gita before Krishna says abandon all, variety, all all different dharmas. He gives uh, hundreds of verses about dharma. Tells Arjuna to do his dharma. What is a what is Vanasham dharma? What is the dharma of a Brahmin? What is the dharma of a Chatra? What is his dharma? You know all these things. But then in an emotional state, when he starts talking, about really the point of dharma is to love me. And if you love me, then it doesn't matter. I'll just forget all dharma. If there's a mistake, I'll take care of it. Right? But that, that presupposes that we have some knowledge of dharma. You can't transcend dharma if you're not established in dharma. So Ram Lila is told. And also Guruji points out, our Guruji points out that another important point is that Ram Lila cannot be misunderstood. Uh, it can't be misused. Right? Krishna Lila, many people we see, even today there's people going, I am Rama, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Krishna and you're Radha. Let us enjoy Rasalila. Right? Swami Shivananda Vrishikesh says these are Satan's messengers. Be careful of such people polluting the whole thing, any such statement. Right? But so they can be misused, misunderstood. But nobody says, I am Rama, you are Sita, let's go into the forest and do tapasya. <laughs> Live on roots and berries and <laughs> out of obedience to our parents. You know, <laughs> that's not a thing misunderstood, right? <laughs> So it's uh, it can't be so bit by bit we're being told these different stories. So when we get to Ras, Ra, uh, Krishna Lila and then the most esoteric parts of, of Krishna Lila, like Rasa Lila and the like, we may be in a little better position to kind of understand a little bit, as they revealed. So last week uh, it told very. Let me see if I can. Where are these verses? It told in just a few, you know. How Ram was born, who his father is, how he, uh, uh, how, uh, out of obedience to his father's uh, vow to his wife, how he uh, was ex- he went willingly into the forest, how Sita was abducted, how he fought Ravana, how he killed Ravana and rescued Sita, and how he came back to Ayodhya. That was all done in a few verses, right? And the three almost final verses of that section, there was about 50 verses we told, uh, um, uh, I'll just quickly tell those verses to jump into today's tonight's verses. It's only a few verses tonight. One is described as this Ramaraj, Ramaraja, right? The rulership of Ram. He's even a political party by that title, right? Uh, at least there was. And I think it's been absorbed into other political parties. Ramaraja means uh, means governments governance like Rama's. So what was Rama's govern governance, right? And so he says Prajna Swadharmanirato. Varnashrama Gunanvita Jugopa Pitrivad Ramo Menire Pitaramcha Tam Prajaha. Praja means the population, the, 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 uh, the uh, subjects, I guess. Swadharmanirato. Uh, uh, they followed, uh, during the ro- rule of Ram, everyone followed their duty. Right, whatever that duty was. And it says, Var Ashrama Gunanvita. Actually, according to Varna, according to Ashram. Means according to their, uh, as Brahmachari, as young students, 
as, as, as householders, as retired forest dwellers, as sannyasis, as brahmanas, as chatriyas, as sudras, as uh, vaishas, like that, all these, everybody was following their dharma according to their nature. Swadharma and Varnashram Dharma, both. It's like Swadharma, everybody was doing according to what their nature was, and they were following Varnashram Dharma. So that's, it's very hard to establish Ramaraja in this age, when we don't even know what our Dharma, nobody knows what we're supposed to do, right? And, and, and even, our, we have no clear examples of Varnas and Ashrams, the Varnas and Ashrams being properly followed. Right, uh, like for example, the Brahmins are supposed to be honest. We don't trust Brahmins. Chatriyas are supposed to be uh, protect us. Our, our leaders, we we also don't trust our leaders. Right, step by step, you can uh, sannyasis are acting as sannyasis. Brahmacharis, young students are sneaking out with their girlfriends and boy, I mean, it's like <laughs> each one of them, the dharmas are broken in that in that sense. Right, Swadharmas we can't follow. It's not difficult to follow. Varnashram dharma you have to follow. So th- these are the, the, what the people were following. And then it says, Jugopa uh, Pitrivit Rama. Rama acted, protected everyone as if they were, as if he was their father. That's also the quality of the king, ideally. Maybe this is idea whether or not this, this is idealized perhaps, right? But that the king's supposed to be the father of the people and protect the subjects like a father. Menire Pitaram Chachom. And the people also thought of him like their father. Rama protected his subjects like his children, and everybody felt, oh, he's my loving father. Right? And then, so that's one verse we talked a little bit last week. And then there's two other verses, one that described Rama and Sita's marriage, or their behavior with each other. It's very beautiful. Ekapatni vrata dharo. Rama's first quality, he had, she had a vrat, a vow of only having one wife. And of course, kings, even his father had Three wives, right? And you see what happened. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of problems with three wives, right? Uh, so, ek, ek patni means only having one wife, but also means being devoted to one wife, right? And even at the end of his life, when he, when in some versions of the story, we even uh, lost Sita, or through, uh, he never remarried because he had a vow to only, in his mind, he was still married to Sita. Although in the, uh, in the, in, uh, and the public's, according to public dharma, he had to, uh, he had, he behaved differently. But in his mind, he was always, he only ekpatni vrata dharo, raja rishi charita suchihi, and he and his behavior is always like a raja rishi, a sage, a kingly sage, suchi, and very, he had a pure behavior of a, of a, of a royal sage, right? Swadharma griha medyam, and he demonstrated how one follows their dharma. Swadharma. Uh, while he was in the middle of a householder life. So even while married and was, I mean, we know, not quite children yet at this point, uh, uh, even while doing all the duties as a king and as a husband and as a son and within the, within the family sphere, within the worldly sphere, he demonstrated how to live your dharma, how to follow dharma perfectly. Shikshayam swayam acharyat uh, by his instruction and by his behavior. This is Ram. So that's what Ram, Ram Raja in the society is the first verse. Ram Raja in the house is the second verse. And Sita's quality is also given. Uh, premna, I did one I didn't, I scribbled. Premna nu vritya shilena. She was always serving Ram with her husband with great love and with very good, uh, perfect behavior. Prasyayan. Avannata Sati. 
He was humble. She always she was very humble and chaste. Bhia Hriya. She was respectful and also modest and shy. And she understood the the nature of her husband. This is something that she understood his nature and what he wanted, right? By very deep understanding. Sitara Manaha. In her mind, she always caught Sita, always was thinking like this, right? We mentioned last week that I'm joking, I have some uh, god sister uh, in uh, in India that says that everybody's saying that I'm supposed to worship my, serve my husband as, as if he's Ram. Like, like Sita. I'm supposed to behave like Sita. He says, when my husband starts behaving like Ram, I'll behave like Sita. Right? That takes both sides. So this is idealized form. So that's where we left off last week. And so this week, um, uh, we'll finish this section. So up to this point, Ram, this is, he came back from the forest. Right? He, was in, uh, uh, he, he shaved off, his guru shaved off his jatta. Right, because this is the sign of, a, of an ascetic, not of a king. Right, Bharata put his sandals, uh, and he's reinstalled as king. He was dressed very beautifully. He did. He showed perfect behavior by bow, by by being bowed to by his juniors, by bowing to his seniors. He was a perfect example in all these points. Right, and then he then he ruled this way. Then what he what he did. Sri Shuka said, "This is a chapter in uh, book nine, chapter eleven, verse one." Sushukovacha Bhagavan Atmanatmanam. This Bhagavan, although he's Supreme Lord, he's he's God, Bhagavan, the possessor of all power, he began to do yagya. The last word here is Makkai. He began to use these Vedic sacrifices. Actually, he um, I've been if we've been to certain places where these some of these sacrifices were said to have happened. Of course, in Ayodhya itself, this is where this is described. But we went to um, where was that? Where his throne is there? We went. We saw his throne. Dev Prayag. Dev Prayag. De- and Dev Prayag, right? It says because after there's some sto- not mentioned here, but some stories where he <coughs> he had to perform a certain sacrifice because he is although he did his duty, still he was not without some fault. Like for instance, he being a chatriya, he killed a brahmana, right? That brahmana was, although that brahmana was a rakshasa, ravana, right? But it's a very uh, uh, one thing chatriyas cannot do is kill brahmins, right? Uh, but he, but even though the brahman was very very evil, he had to kill him. He had no choice, perhaps, right? But for that, he had to do some expiatory rites. One of which is in Allahabad. His guru said, "We can't do any sacrifices until you you have to you know to purify yourself." One thing you have to do, you have to um, establish uh, 10,000 Shivalingams. That place is there, it's called Shivakutir, Shivakuti in Allahabad. Um, even now, maybe none of them, I don't know if any of those Shivalingams are from Ram's time, but even now there are thousands of Shivalingams. Everywhere there's this pile, I mean, stacks and stacks of Shivalingams all over, under every tree there are Shivalingams, right, since that time. Uh, uh, so he did that in order to purify that sin. Then he also did a special sacrifice in Dev Prayag. Uh, under his guru's advice, like we, we mentioned, and that's very beautiful. Because we've seen when we were we were visiting there, and there's a beautiful temple there established by Adi Guru Shankaracharya. Come closer so I can see uh, <coughs> Adi Guru Shankaracharya, and beautiful Sitaram deities. And we were walking around all the little small temples, like here we have Hanuman and like that. And then 
we read what was the sign that said Ram Throne? You read it or something? I forget how do we found out about it. Pujari pointed out there's this one looks very medieval, uh, prehistoric. The stone uh, slab with his back, you know, so, and he said, oh, this is Ram's throne. During the Yajna, he sat here. Right? And you look at it and you're like, oh my, I mean, I have no, I mean, I don't know, may, that may only be a hundred years old, I don't know, but that's Ram's throne. <laughs> Definitely Ram's throne. It looks like something from that, from Trita Yuga. Right? <laughs> really quite amazing, you know. It's, uh, we've been there many, many times. You've been to Dipriyag. Yes. You went to the Sitaram temple? Uh, there's a there's a there's a stone throne there that's Ram throne. So this is where so this is the things he was doing. He was established. He was under his guru's instruction. He was doing lots of yagya, right? And one of those yagyas is this Rajasurya, uh, the horse sacrifice. So many sacrifices he was doing. So it says uh, uh, So but who is he worshiping? When you do yagya, you're worshiping all the devas. You're worshiping God, and you're worshiping the devas, right? But he's God, right? He's, it says Bhagavan, right? Atman, Atmanatmana, Atmanaha. He was worshipping his own self by his self. Right? This is, alright. Rama Uttama Kalpada. Was, was, uh, Rama was, was a, a great, topmost expert paraphernalia and perfect puja he was doing. Sarva Deva Mayam Devam. Although he's the God of God, he's Deva, he's God, right? Sarva Deva Mayam. And he's the embodiment, all gods exist, he's the embodiment of all gods, right? Ije Tata, what is it? Ije Atta Acharyavam Makkai. He did the sacrifices under the guidance of the Acharya, of the Guru. His Guru is? Vashishta, Vashishta Rishi. So Vashishta would give you instruction. So under his Guru's instruction, he did he did all the pujas perfectly. He's Swaha doing you know all the all the mantras, right? But he's God. He's the self of all of all beings, and he's the embodiment of all devas, right? So you see, Krishna also we see it in in, in the, we'll get to those sections when we ever get to, when we eventually get to Krishna Lila. In the morning, Krishna also showed a very good example of good sadhana, sadhacharya. He'd wake up in the morning, he'd take a bath, right, and he and and he'd sit there and meditate on Krishna. Right, we're all supposed to meditate on Krishna first thing in the morning. Meditate on God. What does God do? He sits there and meditates on himself. And of course, we have to be careful because this is this this text is a devotional text and therefore seemingly a dualistic text. But throughout, there's non-dualistic ideas permeating. Right and and uh, uh, so what does it mean? Krishna is meditating on himself. We also when we meditate upon Krishna, we're meditating on ourselves because he's the self of the self. But it's not like, you know, Swami Bhajananda, Swami Bhajananda, Swami Bhajananda. That's not what meditating. Self, the real self is something different. <laughs> right. So similarly here, Ram is worshiping him, his own self. He's worshiping himself, who's all in, uh, who's all the gods, and he's. So the blessed Lord Rama, with with the guidance of his acharya, performed grand sacrifices, worshiping God, who is the self of his self, or worshiping the self by the self. It's a strange term. The embodiment of all gods. Well, mantra we use for Sri Ramakrishna, we go Om Sarva Deva Devi Swarupaya Sri Ramakrishna Maha. The embodiment of all gods and goddesses. Right? We see Sri Ramakrishna is God in our 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 faith that he is an avatar of the Lord. And he, therefore, he embodies just like this, uh, Sarva Deva Yam Devam. He's God who embodies all gods, right? And so when he would, he would also worship. 
he would also sit there and Ram, 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 do Ram, Ram, Japa, right? Krishna Kirtan, Kali Puja, right? He did all like that. Who is he worshipping? So this is a very similar mysterious scene. So part of this, uh, Ram, we know Ram has one thing, one great quality of Ram. Dharma is everything. Even he, he's willing to give up his own happiness for the sake of Dharma. That we saw for a foolish, he could have easily got out of, most people would have gotten out of going into exile due to a foolish thing, that his, a foolish vow that his father, a boon that his father gave. If he, in the court of law, I probably wouldn't have, have stuck my modern law, right? But he is not attached. It's okay. I'm not attached to my kingdom. I'll go into the forest. If it makes my, if it keeps my father's reputation as an honest man, I'm willing to go into the forest. So even out of a simple thing of keep of of, of fidelity to his father's reputation, his father's words, he easily gave up. He was willing to go into the forest. So we know he's not attached. Dharma is a higher thing. He's attached to Dharma, right? So similarly, in these sacrifices, you also give um, dakshina to the priests. Right? And we know he's not attached, so what is he going to give? He's a king, and, and you know you're, you're as wealthy and powerful as, as, as much as you can give away. That's a Vedic standard of wealth. You're, as, you're considered as rich as, as money as, as you can give away in charity. Right here, we, we're, we're considered rich by how much we keep to ourselves. Right? But you see, like, you look at all these stories, like uh, Janaka gave... You know, lavish gifts to every thousands of cows to the Brahmins. The, the the charity is a sign of richness. How much you can afford to give away, and so he's he's God, but he's also the king. So he can give away. He he owns a whole kingdom. As a king, he owns a kingdom, in all four directions, right? And as God, he owns the world, right? So what is he going to give? So it says, Hotre Dadhad Tisham Prachim. So there's four priests in a Vedic sacrifice. One is called the Hotri, right? So it's, it's, that's the main, he's the one, swa, he's the one pouring, he's doing the main mantras and he's pouring the ghee, right? So to him he gave uh, Disham Prachim. He gave the whole eastern lands, the whole eastern direction he gave to that priest. You did, Thank you very much, Panditji, for your puja. I give you my eastern, whole kingdom on the eastern side, right? Brahmane Dakshinam Prabhu. That Prabhu, that Lord Ram, gave the, Dakshina is a, a south, right? South. He gave the south direction to the Brahmana. So in the, of course, these are all Brahmins, but here Brahmana is a particular, he's the, um, um, uh, uh, He's the officiating, he's the organizing priest. He's watching that everything gets done. He's the boss, right? That he's making sure everybody's chanting properly and he's correcting anybody who makes a mistake by, by chanting other mantras. There's a whole science to it. These seven pujas are barely done now, right? Advar Yava Pratichimva. Pratichimva. But the western direction he gave to the Advaryu priest. Advaryu priest, he, his job is to, he does a lot of the physical stuff. He measures, draws the, uh, the, the, the pit, he measures it, he counts how many, he establishes the bricks, how many like that. He's also um, uh, arranging 
the ghee, everything, all those little details. Uh, um, during these ancient sacrifices, like where animals were offered, he'd also do those offerings. So he's the, he does more of the physical stuff, right? And uh, and utaram sama gaya saha. And to he gave the uh, utara is the, he goes the northern direction to the um, the one who chants the Samaveda. And that's another type of priest not mentioned here. It's called Udgata, Udgata, Udgata priest. The Udgata, who, his job is to recite all these, as the mantras are going on, there's somebody reciting text, but reciting it in Sama meter. Right? Even other Vedic, not only, they're also chanting uh, Yajurveda texts like that, but always in this, uh, if you ever heard Sama meter chanted, it's very um, truly, that creates, that, that's the divine, it creates a divine realm, the Samaveda. Even Krishna says, among the Vedas, I am Samaveda. Right, the most musical, it's the most musical, right? So within, you have the main priest, the officiating priest, uh, the assistant priest, and the reciter. Right, these four he gave, the, the north, south, west, east, his whole kingdom, or the whole world, you can say. He gave it away in charity as Dakshina. Acharya Dharu Shesham Yavati Bustar Antaraha. And to his guru, his guru who's giving the main instruction how to do all this, right? He also gives something. He gave whatever was left, right? So, what is it? You give the four directions, what's left? The center, the center point, right? In between the four directions. So, you could almost think, if you were to think of it a little bit physically, the kingdoms to the south, to the west, to the north, to this, like that, and in his own city, right? That's the center, right? It says, uh, 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 Tat Antaraha. Antara means in the center, but it means within. Right? So this is also very he daddy gives to his guru. So he gives he, he gives he gives his things to the priest, but he gives Antara is the heart actually ultimately, his own city. Right? You can think of it as, as either the center part where he is standing, but if you take it a little more deeply symbolically, right, he gives everything he owns to the priest, but he gives his heart. In the center, what's left? If you after you give the four directions, what's left? You can't say you're, you're nothing. Anything's left, right? Only your only your left. That he gives to the guru, right? Very beautiful. Thinking. Manya manaha. Thinking idam krishnam brahmano arhati nish nish spriyaha. I should give you thinking. I should give. Uh, I should give. Uh, I should give this to the one to that Brahman, that Brahmana, that that holy person, who has no desire. Nishpiya. Uh, so that's that's his qualification. What, who is that person? The other priests. They're they're doing their job nicely. They were hired by him, and he gave him lavishly his gifts, his whole kingdom. But his heart, that I should give to the person who has no desire. Right, it's a very beautiful because uh, uh, we know his guru is such a person, and you can see in 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 in, in, in the external rites, see things would be done. But this is, I take this to be a little bit deeper. Uh, uh, you give your things, you pay properly, right, and generously. That's part of his greatness. But the heart you give to the person who has no selfish motivation, right. This is one of the qualifications. If if the acharya is a guru. What are the qualifications of a guru? In the scriptures themselves, they say that a guru has to have knowledge, 
right? He has to be in a traditional line. He has to be able to answer your questions. And the most important, you should have no selfish desire, personal benefit from teaching you, right? Uh, even the people who have these three, they have good knowledge, they're initiated properly, and they can answer questions properly. But if this fourth one is not there, that even if he's great, he can't. That's not. In the, uh, that's a disqualification. Disciples are supposed to have some qualities, but these are the qualities mentioned of the guru, right? So he's thinking, who's that person who has no selfish desire, right? That means anything any instruction that he's giving him is only for his benefit. That person he gives what's left, his own heart, antaraha, his inside. So now you think now King Ram has given the four directions of his kingdom as well as what's left in the heart, away. What does he have left? That means he has nothing. Right? Alankara vasobhyam. All he had left is his decorations and his clothes. Once you give everything away, all he had is what he had on, right? And his beautiful uh, queen, Rajni api vaidehi sa mangala va Sheshita. She had only her uh, uh, queen, uh, queen of Vaidehi, uh, 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 Sita. She had only her Mangal Sutra. Mangal Sutra is a necklace that you have. Mangal Sutra. This is the equivalent of the wedding ring, right? This is many people maybe here already know, but this is a sign of a married woman. The sign, the equivalent of a wedding ring. Ma, our Ma also has a beautiful black Mangal Sutra that's there with gold. And when we somebody brought that for her, we oh very beautiful. We put it on, and we were asking. We didn't know these. I mean, we're not only culturally we don't have that knowledge, but also sannyasis would have any experience of these things, right? <laughs> Put the Mangal Sutra, you know, like this. And and so one one of our wonderful devotees, Bengali lady, she says, "What is so? so oh, this has meaning. So what does it mean? It means you can't date Ma." <laughs> That's when you put it on her, you can't date. Like, okay, I mean, she's married woman. You know, she's married to Shiva. You can't date Ma. So also all Ram had is his clothes and his and his jewelry, and all Sita had left basically her clothes and jewelry, her Mangal Sutra. Right. So De tu Brahmani Brahmana Devasya Vatsalam Vikshaya Samstutam. De te means those priests, the guru and the four priests. But Brahmana Devasya. Seeing this is a name for Ram. Brahmana Devasya. Brahmana Devasya means the Lord, the, the God of the Brahmanas. Right? But it has a double meaning. It also means the one who considers the Brahmanas like God. Right? But actually, it actually means the Lord. Because, you know, if God, the Brahmanas are holy people who are dedicated to worshipping God and, and, and teaching, chanting for, the, for that tradition. Right? So obviously, between the devotee and God... Uh, Brahmana Devasya means he's the god of the of the Brahmanas, but he why is he the god of the Brahmanas, right? We know the story. Actually, we know, we go Namo Brahmai Devaya Go Hitayacha. Same mantra will come here to Lord Ram. That's a Krishna mantra, most famous Krishna mantra. Namo Brahmai Devaya, O the god of the Brahmanas, Go Hitayacha. Who is devoted to the Brahmanas? Go and to the cows. Right, so the reason uh, Vishnu is considered the god of the Brahmanas is because he has so much love for the Brahmanas, and there's a story for that. Right, when who is the um, one of the earliest Brahmanas is Brigumuni, Brigu, Brigu, and Brigu was thinking, who amongst the Trimurti, um, uh, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, 
we know they're all important, but who should be our, who's our God? Who should we worship? Who's the God of the Brahmanas? The story in Puranas, right? So he goes to Lord Brahma, right? And he says, maybe, maybe he's a grandfather, he's built everything, he created everything, maybe he's the one. And he sees Brahma sitting on a lotus with the four Vedas chanting his glories. He goes, ah, what type of person is this, right? Such an egotistical person, people singing his glories, sitting there listening to people sing his glories and like this, right? He says, ah, we should not. And he, and he gives a curse, right? And Brahmana has some power, right? This is early, the earlier age. Nowadays, not much power, but that time, more power. And he says that nobody will worship you because you're so egotistical. And, he, and so as a result, there's almost no Brahma temple. There's two tem- Brahma temples in India, a couple in, 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 in Bali. Other than that, there's no... There's millions, there are thousands of Shiva temples and thousands of Vishnu temples and two Brahma temples. Right? This is on the curse of Rigun. So then he goes to Kailash, maybe Shiva. You know, he, we heard he's great, right? And, and he, finds, he finds him uh, 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 in romantic embrace with his wife, Parvati. And he goes, ah, what type of, he's supposed to be an ascetic. I heard Shiva's a yogi. What type of yogi is this? Right, and he also he also curses him in a different way. I won't say out loud, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, but at least he says that only people worship him through the Shivalingam. He makes this is like you can fill in the details, but uh, this is his curse, right? And then he goes to Vishnu. He says, "Well, let's see what this Vishnu character." He's already a little bit uh, upset by the the so-called gods of gods, you know. Uh, and and he sees Vishnu and Vishnu. What's Vishnu? Vishnu is lying on a on on Antashesha in the milk ocean with uh, Lakshmi massaging his feet. And he goes, "Oh, what type of god is this?" Right. <laughs> so it, I mean, just sitting there being pampered by his wife, so attached to his wife. This is not quality of god, right? And he gets so upset, he just goes up and kicks Vishnu in the chest with his feet. And if you see many, there's a there's a mark of uh, in any Krishna statue, Ram statue, Vishnu statue, there'll be a little footprint. I think Brigu, I'm pretty sure it's Brigu. I hope I don't make a mistake that when Vishnu kicked him, and then uh, and then Brahm, and then uh, Vishnu goes, oh my, oh, please forgive me. I must have. You're a Brahmana. You're very you're gentle people, right? And uh, and I'm a very hard-hearted person, right? So maybe must to be that you've hurt your foot. When you kicked my chest, please forgive me any pain I caused you. Right, such a good behavior. He's sattvaguna. He's very good behavior. Right, um, and so uh, uh, actually, you can see this Raja and Tamaguna, Brahma and Shiva correspond to their stories here. Here's sattvaguna. He's perfectly good etiquette. One of the qualities of sattvaguna is perfect etiquette. Right, he has perfect etiquette. And Brahmanas like good etiquette, especially if they're the focus of the, the praise and etiquette. And he goes, oh, very very happy. Right, so you will be our god. Right, and so the Brahmanas generally are devotees of Vishnu. Even if whatever the sect, their behavior is sattvic. That's they're under that control. Gobramanahitaya here, Brahmana Devasya, the god of the Brahmanas. Right. So there's a sub, uh, another little, by the way, story in that is that Vishnu loves the Brahmanas and Brahmanas like Vishnu, but Lakshmi doesn't like Brahmins, because in her presence, some Brahmin kicked her husband. Right, so you see, uh, generally Brahmanas are not rich; they don't have much money. Right, because Lakshmi, Lakshmi, because wherever Vishnu is, Lakshmi is. Bare minimum is there, right? But they don't become rich generally. Actually, a rich Brahmana is not a good Brahman generally. Right? So the Brahmanas that he gave just became very rich. He gave the four, the four sides of the world or the four sides of his kingdom to them. What do they do? Seen vatsalya viksha samstutam. 
they saw, who did they see? Vatsalyam. They saw this, the, the god of the Brahmanas, who is here incarnate as Ram, right? Was so much Vatsalya. Vatsalya means love, but it means parental love. Same idea that, that he's just like a father. Like, you know, like a father would give everything to their son. Right, you know, so it's it's not not as a, an employer or as a th- th- this way of relating to a king is a part. How much love and a, how much he lo- has love for us. Pitra klinina dias tasmi says, uh, Pitta, they they became so pleased seeing this. They became so pleased. Klina dias tasmi. Klina dia. That means that their heart melted, right? Seeing the seeing the parental love, the parental affection of Lord Ram, right? Of their their deity, how much love their deity has for them. Of course, that's natural. How you, that's how you love you love somebody because they love you, right? You love God because how much love. These stories are so much full of this rasa. How much we love God because how much God loves us. This is the idea. He's willing to give everything to us, and that that their hearts completely melted. Pratyarpya idam bibharshase. Then they gave everything back to him. Right? Out of love, as they seen that, they just gave everything that he got, they gave back to him. I've seen this. And they said, they spoke, prayed. Hmm. So this is actually a great quality. This verse is a nice quality of, of a real Brahmana. Right? Is that uh, 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 in the Bhagavad Gita, we see in Ram, the Ramraja verse that people are following Varnashram. So what is the Varnashram quality of a Brahmana? How do we know a Brahman, an actual Brahman? In Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter, Sama, Dhamma, Stapa, Saucham. These are the qualities. Sama, Samu. Samu means they're peaceful. Dhammas, they are uh, self-controlled, disciplined. Tapaha, they perform, they're austere. In uh, Saucham, they're pure. Both clean and both by cleanliness and purity. Kshantir, they are full of, they are tolerant. Arjavam, they are uh, honest. Right? Evacha, Gyanam, Vigyanam. Gyanam means they are knowledgeable. And Vigyanam means, so Vigyana is special knowledge. It means like realized knowledge. They have both education and experience. That's how we to say. Sri Ramakrishna described Vigyana. He 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 really elaborated this term Gyan and Vigyana. He says to say the milk is to know that milk comes from a cow is called Gyana. But you can go to school and learn that. Right? But if you have a cow and you milk a cow and you take that milk and you and you heat it and cook it and drink it and become and get strength from it, that's called Vigyana. Actual knowledge, experiential knowledge, right? So this is a quality. Brahman has both intellectual knowledge, edu- educated knowledge, and direct personal knowledge of, of the fact right astikyam astikyam means they're uh, they're uh, religiously minded by the vedic tradition right brahma karma sabhavajam um, these are the qualities by which a brahman works right so in in this tradition the brahmanas don't um, uh, and and ram is a perfect Chatriya, an example of a chatriya, and the quality of a chatriya is to give in charity, right? And the quality of a brahmana is to accept charity, right? But they have to, because of all these qualities, they accept only what they need, 
right? So the, the nature of, the, of, of Rama being the perfect king, the perfect Kshatriya, wants to give everything. He's willing to give his whole kingdom to a holy person. But a holy person is, has the right to accept. But to still be a holy person, you only accept what you need. And a holy person doesn't need a kingdom. Right? What do, what do you need? You need a small bit of land, right? And enough food to fill your stomach. That's pretty much it. <laughs> right? Three paces of land and a little bit of food and water, really. Right? To keep the body and mind going in an auspicious way to do your duty like this, right? So there, there this is a beautiful, this little scene is some uh, uh, example of Rama being the perfect Chatriya and the Brahmanas being good Brahmanas, right? In this sense, right? So they, they returned the land, they said, and it is beautiful. Apratam nas tvaya kim nuhu. Apratam, what have you not given us already? You're giving us your kingdom, but what have you have not? You've given us everything already, right? Bhagavan Bhuvaneshwara. Oh, Bhagavan Bhuvaneshwara. Bhuvaneshwara means the Lord of the worlds of this world, right? Oh, Lord, you've oh Supreme Lord and Master of the world, the controller of the world. You've given us everything already. What have you not given us, right? Mm. Yano anta hridayam vishya. Antara antaha hridayam vishya. You have entered. How how you gonna everything by entering our heart. Uh, vishya means to enter. Antara hridayam in, into the innermost core of our heart. When you enter, you because you've entered the innermost core of our heart, you've given us everything. Tamu hamsi rochisa. Rochisa means this uh, shining effulgence. You've tamu hamsi, all of our darkness. You've completely destroyed. Hamsi, you've, you've killed. You've uh, obliterated all of our darkness by your sh- by, so, by your own self effulgence, by your shining uh, quality. Right. So that's what a beautiful. That I love. To me, this is the the winner line. Tonight, right? I love this line, right? You've given us everything. Because entering our heart, you've completely destroyed all darkness. Right? The point of all the point of all this is this. Right? May your soul fulfillance. This reminded me. Our nutshell verses of the Gita. And Krishna says in the Gita. Swami Chaitananda, many people have said these are uh, that we should memorize these verses. Verse chapter ten, verse nine, ten, eleven. Let me find chapter eight, nine. Madgato Pranaha, Poryanta Parasparaha. This is the thoughts the thoughts of my devotees dwell in me. Right? And their lives are absorbed in me. And they derive great happiness. Uh, in always uh, talking about me and enlightening each other about me, speaking about me. Those who are constantly so devoted, who worship me with love, I give the power of discrimination by which they come to me. Buddha Yoga Yuktam. Is I connect their mind by uh, I connect their mind to me, and then this is the verse. Out of compassion for them, I, dwelling within their heart or within their soul, destroy the darkness born of ignorance with the effulgent lap of knowledge. Same principle. As soon as you think of God, God God connects with you. 
and God's connect with you, He enters your heart, and within, with a lamp of knowledge, He destroys darkness. Abraham. Ajnana jam tamaha. This, the, uh, the darkness, ajnana jam, that's born, what is the darkness of born, that's born of ignorance. Jnana dipana, dipana, by the shining light of wisdom. Entering within, I destroyed all darkness. Same idea. So all these verses are just thinking, thinking of God connects you to God. Connecting to God, He enters your heart. He enters your heart, He illuminates, He destroys darkness, illuminates it. That's the point, not the kingdoms. Uh, your effulgence. We, um, namo, and then remember, we mentioned that verse, to the, the Krishna verse. Namo Brahmaya Devaya Go Brahmanahitayacha Jagaditaya Krishna Govindaya Namunamaha. This is almost an identical verse for Ram. It says, Namo Brahmaya Devaya Ramaya Kunta Merase Uttamas Loka Dhuraya Nyasta Dhandar Pitang Graye. We bow to Brahmanamo, we bow to Brahmana, Brahmanya Devaya, to that God of the Brahmanas, right? Uh, Ram, Rama, that Lord Ram. Akuntya Medase, whose wisdom, whose, whose Medas, Meda means spiritual wisdom. I guess uh, there's no real clean in, uh, uh, word for Medas. It means divine memory, divine wisdom, divine like that. Uh, Akunta, who, whose wisdom, whose spiritual understanding, whose spiritual fulgence never fades. Unfading, uh, glorious spirituality. Uttamasloka Dhuryana. Who is praised by the, by the choicest of verses, the highest verses. Nyasta Dhandhar Pitang Karaye. This is, uh, so this is a complicated word. Uh, it's cluster of words, but basically whose feet, we bow to him, that Supreme Lord, the Lord of the Brahmanas, whose who's, uh, who's, who's, who's spiritual understanding never fades, who's praised by all the choices verses of the Vedas, and whose feet are worshipped by those, Danda Arpitanga, uh, um, who, Danda means uh, 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 punishment or justice. This is Danda, it's a stick. Right. So danda means like a king's danda is means punishment or, or rulership, right? What those who has this is, this is a very complicated line, but it has two main meanings. Those who are beyond the need of punishment. Meaning the, 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 the pure devotees who are beyond who are perfect. Right? He's worshipped by perfect beings who don't who are beyond the, those rules, right? Another thing it be worshipped by those who don't think about danda. Means they don't think about good and bad. They don't think. Means this is the paramahansas who are beyond such things. They themselves are unreproachable, but they also don't reproach anybody. Those who don't see any fault, in order to correct, right? So it's a, both these. So he who's whose beautiful feet are worshipped by such divine beings in both of those interpretations, right? So I'm going to skip here. Let's. That's verse seven. Verse five, six, seven. We're going to, I'm going to read now. These are my translation. Now I'm going to read from Swami Tapasyananda. I didn't translate these. It's just got, this is just very quickly describes some of the more unpleasant parts of Ramdila. Uh, verse 7. Salutations 
to thee, Supreme Being, the form of Sri Ram, who is always honored. Uh, sorry, uh, once when Rama was moving about incognito at night, unknown to any in order to ascertain the real view of his people, he happened to hear by chance the following talk of, some, of someone about his wife Sita. I shall not, he said, any more entertain you in my house. You who have lived in another's residence. Who is unchaste and is of evil nature? I am not going to follow the example of that of that Lord of that Rama, who is still living with Sita. Now this is where this is this little thing. It's only it is four or five verses. It barely touches. This is the part that nobody likes to think about uh, Ramlila, of uh, uh, the when Ram banished Sita to the uh, again to the forest, and. Um, it's a very complicated, and we were talking today, and we some research that many people think, even in Valmiki, that uh, that, uh, what kanda is that? The Uttarakhand is written probably later. The original story did not have this, and many, many other versions of the story don't have it. And Tulsidas doesn't mention it. Right? You end it with Ram comes back, and then the story ends right there. Uh, and it looks like, and we're reading it controversial, it's still by the scholars that it's written a different language, different style, probably added later that part of the story. And then the question here is why would you add such an unpleasant ending to such a glorious story? Right? And there's many possible reasons the culture had changed and uh, uh, views of women's freedom and, and morality, and you know, you have to, who knows what the real reason is and what that story is there. But here it's mentioned in a very brief form, right? Frightened, as it were, by this kind of in irresponsible criticism of the ignorant, who are difficult to satisfy or placate, Rama abandoned Sita. Uh, thereupon she took shelter in the ashram of Valmiki. Sita was in family way. She was pregnant at the time of her abandonment. And in due time she gave birth to twins, who became famous under the names Lava and Kusha. The sage Valmiki performed all their postnatal ceremonies. Well, this is just just like quickly mentioned like that, right? And in the story, is it, he heard people criticizing, and it's very hard for us to, uh, as modern people, uh, in a different age, and an age where Dharma is not, where Dharma is not. We consider the highest principle of Dharma is our personal happiness, right? And so the King Ram had uh, a tension between his Dharma as a husband and his Dharma as a king. The dharma of the king is that the 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 the, the uh, to set an example to the people, right? And and uh, and so we probably wouldn't make that same decision. We were mentioning what's the king king? Uh, yes, uh, uh, Devi Vanamali who wrote a beautiful version of Ramlila. Her introduction, she she says that we we glorify King Edward. He's in what's it? Edward the Eighth, right? He gave up his uh, leadership as king. In order to marry an American uh, woman, right? And so, for for out of love for a woman, he gave up his kingdom, right? Ram did something different. He gave up his woman out of duty for the kingdom, right? And so that's we would immediately would uh, romantically think of the second one as ideal, right? But Ram had his the uh, uh, different standard. Same thing. He gave up out of obedience to his father. He gave up his kingdom. Right, and we would know it's the same thing. So it's a very complicated thing. My Guruji Swami, my Sanyas Guru Swami Omananda, he one time was in a very uh, both inspired and emotional mood, and he told he's, he was telling a different interpretation of the story. He said it's not really in books, maybe in books, but it's in the oral tradition of the sadhus and the bhaktas and singers like that. 
and he says, because he thinks, he's Swami, Swami Omananda also, he thinks about these things all the time. And he says, he told me, when he told me many, many years ago, read Bhagavatam and teach Bhagavatam. That's why we started it. He told me, yes, read, read. Like, oh, yes, oh, yes, Guruji, I shall get some good commentary. It's okay, you can read the comments you want, but you read and think and yourself speak. Right? The, 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 the things have some meaning to you. Read, of course, other people, there's great people who, who, who are expert at these things. You can read their ideas. But you think, what does it mean? Why would they do such a thing? What does this type of thing mean? Right? That's how we're supposed to read text. Yourself, figure out what it means. Right? Not just what other people say it means. Right? So, uh, uh, him attempting to, to, an, to analyze why Ram like this. And he says, in this tradition, he says that Ram, hearing people begin to criticize Sita. Right. Oh, he went. He was in a different. He was in a. Uh, she stayed one year in Rav, Ravana's house. Maybe she's not pure. Right. As soon as he hears that, he heard that he's thinking forever, for all time. When my stories told, people could always doubt Sita's purity. I know she's pure. She went to the fire. We know she. She was demonstrated as pure. Right. She went to the fire ritual, and the fire didn't touch her. We all know that story. But he says, but the idea that that my that Sita would be criticized forever doubted forever right so, so he did something very difficult for him he did he did such such, such a thing that could guarantee that for all time forever people criticize rama not sita by banishing sita even now anybody tells a story of rama he says but yeah rama, i don't know why rama did this sita has already suffered so much and again she gets tested and again she has to prove herself and then he still throws her out while she's pregnant with children and the whole type of thing. How and so Ram looks very bad in the story. So he did something that changed. But hearing that, hearing that person say that, he realized there's no way I can change this. There's only one way. No way where people will criticize me instead of her. They'll always glorify her and criticize me. Right. And Swami Omanu was actually started crying when he told this story. Just the amount of the, the amount of love that that requires. That type of thinking. Let people criticize me, but glorify my wife. Right. He told the same story of Eklavia. Same thing, right? You know, we, that's another complicated. It's probably the more more difficult stories in 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 in, in um, Mahabharata. Eklavya was a tribal, right? So it means outside the caste system, right? He was a tribal, and he approached Dronacharya for instruction in archery. And Dronacharya, I only teach I only teach Chatriyas and Brahmin. He, he rejected him. You're below my my caste. I, I, I won't teach you, right? But that man had so much devotion that he made an image of Dronacharya, and in front of that statue of made of mud, he, he practiced. He practiced so much that he became perfect in everything. And in a great competition, of, of um, uh, a great competition, he, uh, where the Pandavas were also there, he, uh, he beat Arjuna. And Dronacharya had given a, 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 a promise to Arjuna that he'd make him the best archer right and all of a sudden this person uh, this tribal is a better archer so rather than like going back and trying to train Arjuna better <laughs> right in the story he, he, he tells he tells he tells that hunter where'd you learn oh you're my guru I learned from you he says is it and he told the story and he says well if I'm your guru I, I demand my guru dakshina what's my what's my guru dakshina I want your thumb Eklavya means one thumb Right, so he immediately took a knife and cut off his thumb, which means he could never pull a bow again. Now Arjuna's best. Isn't Arjuna great? You know that story. <laughs> so, and so that story is a very uh, difficult story because Dronacharya does not look. Arjuna doesn't look good, and, Ar and Dronacharya does not look good. 
right? And he's one of the heroes. <laughs> you know, he's supposed to like Dronacharya. Complicated character. All the characters in Mahabharata are, are complicated, right? It's a very uh, complicated text. But really, Dronacharya does not look good. And Eklavya, everybody glorifies Eklavya. Not only that just was, a, a, was a, how much Guru Bhakti he had, that just a statue of the Guru, he learned everything. And then how much Guru Bhakti that even the Guru saying something horrible, like give me your thumb, he immediately cut off his thumb. Right? So Guruji also said along the same line of the banishment of Sita, is that when he saw this, un, this uh, tribal uh, uh, person, he says, how, what can I do that for all time people should know how great he is? Right? So the only way you can come up to do it is to do something so horrible that for all time people will glorify, even here, here 5,000 years later, here I am in Laguna Beach, right, <laughs> on a Saturday night at, at 8.53, glorifying the, the Guru Bhakti of Aklavya in a way that makes, a, makes a Dronacharya look very bad. So he, the only way to make, at that time, the only way to make a, a tribal look glorious is for the, the, the Brahmana to look really bad. So he sacrificed his own reputation. So this is perhaps we're trying to read and trying to fix some of the more uncomfortable <laughs> things in Ram's life and, 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 and Dronacharya's life. But if you know this thing is so, these things are so full of rasa and devotion and so much love that, that these type of way of thinking are acceptable. They're uh, uh, appropriate. Right. O King Lakshmana who had two sons named Angada and Chitrakuta, Chitraketu. And Bharata also had two, two whose names were Taksha and Pushkala. Satnugna, Satrugna had two sons named Shubhanu and Shrutasena. Then he goes on, like he sent them off in different directions and defeated so many things. So he's just telling those stories. Sita entrusted her sons to the sage Valmiki. Unable to bear separation from Rama, she, it seems, entered into the bowels of the earth, contemplating on him. So we know this story. That this is skipping a lot, but he simply says that at one point, Sita, uh, we know that there was, an, there was a... Ram needed to perform one of these sacrifices, and that sacrifice required a wife. Right, and so uh, so they want to bring Sita back to do like this. He says, "No, we'll prove. It. We'll just go through the fire again. We'll do the fire ritual again. Everybody, everybody will see how pure you are." And Sita's going, "I'm done with. I'm done with this." Right, <laughs> and she, Sita comes from the earth, so the earth split and took her back. Right, this is a reference to that. Hearing this, Rama, though he was a Lord incarnate, could not control his sorrow in spite of his best efforts, remembering all the great qualities of Sita. So Ram became overwhelmed with uh, sorrow. The intensity of attachment between man and woman is of this order. Even in the case of those whose mastery over their minds, needless then to say what it would be like in the case of ordinary people with worldly attachments. So if this is even Lord Ram behaves this way at the loss of his wife. How much uh, neither people who are God themselves and yogis and perfectly controlled mind, how much is, is a little commentary on, on we can expect this type of behavior, this type of uh, pain in regular people. Since Sita's departure, Rama, even while observing the vow of strict celibacy, performed the Agnihotra for 13,000 years of his life without the aid of his wife. So he continued the sacrifices for 13,000 years. Now, I'm not going to try to defend the fact that Ram lived over 13,000 years. 
but that's what the text says. <laughs> this is a mystical text. After that, Ram. Oh, that's where I picked up in that verse 19. So he he continued his sacrifices in that same elaborate way, giving everything away, and this loving relationship with the priest, and just doing his duty as best he could. His sons, his sons, and his his brothers and their children ran the kingdom and did fought with neighbors and the whole thing that kings are supposed to do like that in politics he did, did all the politics ram just simply did sacrifices and and then how he left the last few verses how he left this world very insignificant hmm. Bruce, uh, Smarantam hridi vinay vinyasta vidham dandaka kantakai. So he put he before leaving he left something behind before he left this world. He left uh, Swapara Palvam Rama. Ram left his beautiful lotus feet. Right, those beautiful lotus feet. Vidham dandaka kantaka who have been pierced by the thorns from his time in the Dandaka forest. Now this verse is meant to be a very emotional verse because people think, you know, like Ram, of course, we know he had no body consciousness, but the idea, and, and there's probably hundreds of verses in, 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 in Tulsidas, the idea that Ram uh, says even Sita massaging his feet would bruise his feet. He's a king. They're not accustomed to this type of thing. right? And he's walking to the forest being cut and pierced. and corn, uh, So that meditation, that Ram, who out of Dharma, ended up walking on thorns and cutting his feet in the Dandaka forest. Vinyasta, he left his feet where? Smaratam hridi, in, 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 in the heart of those who remember him. Very beautiful. That When Ram left this world, he left his two beautiful lotus feet that held all that lila and, and implied rasa and dharma being full of thorns from that forest in the hearts of those who remember him. He left this world, but he left part. He left his. He's like when he left uh, uh, Ayodhya to the forest, his brother worshipped his shoes, right? So he left his shoes behind. When he left this world, he left his feet behind, not on a throne, but in the heart. Uttamasloka Duryana, no, sorry, Swapara Atma Jyoti Agatataha. Agatataha. He entered where Atma Jyoti. Leaving his leaving his feet in the hearts of the devotees, who remember him, he entered the light of the self, Atma Jyoti. Now, that term Atma Jyoti it means Atma means self and Jyoti means light, right? Right. But what is so many commentaries? I mean, because this text is is uh, is a Vaishnava text. It has a very and 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 Valmiki and Tulsidas and others they mentioned and he, he even in our Ramnam hymns after he left he. He went to Vaikuntha, right? So, so Atmasloka, that means, Vaiku, what is that divine realm of Vaikuntha, the heavenly realm of Vaikuntha? This comes from his own effulgence. So it has both to me. He, he went back to Vaikuntha, which comes from his own effulgence, At- Atma Jyoti, or he merged back into Brahman. Well, he, is a, uh, he is a Brahman. Both meanings are there, uh, and they both have to be understood. You can't just choose one over the other. They both have those, uh, those meanings. Then Rama placed his lotus feet, which were pierced by the thrones of the Dandaka forest, in the hearts of those who remember him and entered the effulgence of the self. Uh, 22. Three more verses. 
So what about those, his, his, uh, we know in, 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 in the Ramayana that when he left, what happened, how did he leave? He went into the river, right? Into the Sayatu, Saryu River. And he just disappeared into the river. That's how in the story. And all the inhabitants of the whole, all the inhabitants of, of, uh, of, uh, Ayodhya, they also entered the river and, and went, got merged in that Atma Jyoti, or got merged or went back to Vaikuntha from whence they come, both meaning to there, right? After 13,000 glorious years, actually a few glorious years and 13,000 miserable years without his wife, doing his duty without the without, with the heartbreak of, of his wife missing. Right? Uh, uh, where, sorry. Uh, so, what about all those devotees around him? What about all the members of Kosha, uh, Kosala, uh, uh, means Ayodhya? It says, whoever, uh, Sa ye spristo, whosoever even touched him, Adi drishta, whoever saw him, Vasambista, anybody who, who sat with him or laid with him or ache with him, right, who hung out with him, you could say, right? <laughs> right? Anugata, uh, who, anybody who followed him, right? These are his servants, these are his, anybody who followed him, Apieva, Koshala, all those, whoever touched, saw, sat, or followed him, those inhabitants of Kosholia, they left, they departed, Te Yayuhu Stanam Yatra. Kachanti yoginaha. They they left and attained that stan, that place. What's that stan? That's attained by yogis. The place that yogis are after. Anybody who even saw, touched, sat with him, followed him, they immediately attain that same level, that same state that yogis attain, that enlightenment. Okay? So that's why this story is being told. Because when we're in, if we somehow in our meditation, in our consciousness, in our singing, in our worship, in our lifestyle, we touch, we can touch him, we can see him, you know, we, we the whole thing in the temple is, is, is an example of this. We can follow means uh, follow the, his example, right? And we can also attain that same state that yogis attain, which is very difficult. Actually, a yo, what the yo, the state that a yogi attains, if you read the yoga shastra, is not easy to do. Right, uh, uh, very, very difficult to control the mind, completely still consciousness, to attain the self like this, separate Purusha and Pakriti, all those things, very, very difficult. But this can immediately be done. Anybody, any, every single person who came in contact with them attained that state that the yogis attain. So now this is the pulsity of the story that's based upon this, because we are also, by thinking of these things, supposed to attain that same state. Right? Purusho Rama Charitam. Any person, your Purushas, <laughs> Purushas, <laughs> oh dear Purushas, anybody, Rama Charitam, who this beautiful story, history of Rama, this Ram Lila, Swavanir Upadhara, Upadharayan, who who hears, who anybody who any person who hears this story, Upadharana, and who thinks about or contemplates this story. Right? It's not just hearing it, you have to think about it. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? You know, what is, how do I follow? How do I follow, touch, sit, uh, and see him? Right? 
so we worked on this verse together because uh, there's one word here I did not, I couldn't find in translations I couldn't find. O king, he says, uh, uh, I won't even read the Sanskrit, I don't think I can pronounce it. Andri samsaya paraha rajam kam karma bhandhir vimuchate. He becomes one who who thinks and remembers and contemplates and listens to this divine story of Lord Ram, right? The first step is that one uh, has two meanings. We were discussing one is that one becomes merciful, one develops mercy, or one overcomes uh, envy. What's and that's actually the same thing, right? Envy. What's envy? Envy is is thinking. Actually, it's the fundamental principle of the ego which makes you think that other people's happiness is separate. Your happiness is separate from other people's happiness. If they have something, it means you don't have something. That comes from that fundamental duality of the ego. That Prahlad's main complaint, or correction to, uh, not complaint, but correction to Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyakashipu, he was, t- he was, the little boy would say, the problem, my dear father, is you think your happiness and other people's happiness are unrelated. Right? That's why you're behaving this way. This making that to the ego to be told that he grew into a furious rage, right? So this is the thing: is that that envy is seeing other people's happiness is taken away from, you know that. And so mercy is the opposite of that. When you overcome envy, you become automatically merciful. You want other people to be happy. You want other people not to suffer, right? Usually we think actually other people's suffering is almost the only way I can become happy. That's the way economies work, right? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> right? But that's not the way dharma works, right? And actually, remember we mentioned last week, a few who were here, that in so many of the stories, there's a tension and a fight between the devas and the asudas, the gods and the demons. This is, Ramlila is another story, another fight between the manavas, the humans, or human culture, and the matsya nyaya. Matsya nyaya means the, and the rule, the law of the fish, means the law of the forest. That means fish eats fish, right? You know, and, and, and that's the law of the forest is that in, in, the, in animals in the forest, you see a, big, a big animal eats a small animal. The, 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 the strongest survive upon the weak, right? And, you, and, the, and the strong are looking for weakness, isn't it? You know, you see, I mean, we, that's a, you see, in a, you see I mean, we watch the animal channels and things like that, nature channels, right? They look, you know, a wolf is looking at what's the weakest uh, animal in a herd. I'll get that of them. I can catch them, right? Uh, so this is not this is not dharma. This is jungle culture, right? And that's a, the whole story. See, so Ravana is not a demon. He's a rakshasha. He's not a asura. Rakshasha is somebody who lives fully in the selfish. It's a human. He's a human. He's not a demon, right? He's a human who lives fully on the selfish, animalistic jungle forest type of consciousness, you know. And Rama and his culture is Vedic culture, is Dharma culture. That and with Dharma, like all laws, are meant to protect the weak. Right? In nature, the weak get sought get attacked first. But in, in, in culture, the, the 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 laws protect the weak. Right? That you can't that's almost a, it's almost a ba- basic principle of human civilization. There's some some method to control to protect the weak. But na- the, unfortunately, the very nature of it, that within that structure, it's some weak, you're still going to be a little bit of, in, in the story of Ram, there's many, these weren't touched on here, but many complicated things that also, sometimes the weak 
because I'm cast or things like that, the weak also get mis, mis, uh, uh, taken advantage of, but not to the level of in the, in the forest, right? So, uh, uh, so this hearing the story of Ram, this nature should change, right? That you become you begin to you become daughter by becoming dharmic, you see that uh, for the good uh, your good lies in other in, in everyone benefiting, everyone being happy, everyone that's called mercy and overcoming enemy, and enmity. Karma bhandir vimuchati. Vimuchami means you become completely liberated from karma bhanda, from the from the bondage to karma. Karma means the bondage of good karma, bad karma, uh, papa, punya, which means rebirth. It's karma that leads to rebirth, that leads to the cycle of birth and death and ignorance, right? So this whole point, just like whoever touched that, saw and followed him. They attain the state that the yogis attain. What's that state? Liberate mukti, liberation. He's saying anybody, by hearing about him, by thinking about these stories, one attains liberation. And in our trying to translate this last verse before everybody showed up today, quickly, quickly, quickly. Uh, uh, the general way I understood it in the translations that I saw was that if you, uh, if you hear the verse, then you 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 um um. If you hear Lord Ram's stories, uh, and overcome uh, enmity and compa- with compassion, then one becomes free. But it's if you hearing it is what helps you overcome this quality, the enmity, and, and develop compassion. So that's the result. It's not just you become free. A lot of these pulsity, they're a little bit. It's come to, it can be taken a little cheap, you know. We, like we 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 chant the uh, lingastikam. It says anybody who chants lingastikam attains a, t- a state of shiva, right? We chant. I mean, maybe that's the case. You chant in lingastikam, you attain the the abode of shiva. But chanting lingastikam changes your nature. Meditation on shiva changes your nature. Your nature changes. You attain the state of shiva. So these are stages, right? Hearing purifies the heart of ego. By, by the principles of Dharma and the example of Lord Rama and that the, the beautiful divinity of Lord Ram, that purifies the heart. And from that purified heart, only then one becomes liberated. A person who hears and contemplates the story of Rama becomes merciful or goes beyond envy, both meanings, and is liberated from the bondage of karma. We'll end there tonight. Uh, there's a f- in this section, there's a few... He asks a few more things about how did he live and he gives a few more details. We won't read those. Um, and then goes into his successors, Kusha and Lava and uh, uh, Ishvaku and all these, a few other important people. And then it goes into the Lunar Dynasty. We have the Solar Dynasty and Lunar Dynasty. The Lunar Dynasty, we know, moves us into Krishna's family background. Slowly we're moving from dynasty to dynasty, and eventually we'll get to... Well, here is, I guarantee, one of these days, if we, we're patient, <laughs> we'll eventually hear Krishna's flute or maybe his ankle bells or maybe smell some tulsi flowers or something, <laughs> God willing. Uh, Parshuram's also story is also told next. So, um, and so uh, this will be our last, I think, our last satsang from the Bhagavatam for the summer. Uh, next week is uh, 4th of July. And uh, uh, so that the day after 4th of July, due to some, some projects, and we have a 4th of July program here, we won't have satsang. We'll have bhajan program, but no satsang on, on next Saturday. And then after that, then Swami Chaitananda will arrive from the Vedanta Society in St. Louis. He's, he, has a re- he does his re- summer retreat in Laguna. And when he's here, he, every Sunday, he every 
Saturday he speaks and he's taking a new text, a beautiful text from uh, one of the Holy Mother's disciples. And so it would be very, very nice, uh, those teachings of this great saint. Vishudananda. Uh, he was one of the presidents of the order, eighth president of the Ramakrishna order. And he's going to translate and work on one of the Bengali uh, writings of this great saint. So it could, I think he's given the title... Uh, Gems from the Garden of Saints, right? That's what theme, part nine, <laughs> part nine. So he's done this, but now he's just going to focus. He says he can, the whole summer maybe he can speak on this one. Last, uh, be very beautiful. And it's a great, one of the great, great saints. And he's, he said he gave, he gave this series a talk in St. Louis and people really loved it. So he wants to share it with us. So he, uh, so tomorrow is, right now, actually right now, Ratha Yatra in Jagannath, in Jagannath Puri, Ratha Yatra is going. Right, very auspicious. And so we will celebrate Ratha Yatra tomorrow uh, after Arati. We have our, we have in India the huge chariots. We have a small palanquin, <laughs> and we carry him. We'll go around the garden and come back in. So if you're free tomorrow evening at 6:30 after Arati, we'll do our little mini Ratha Yatra festival. And the Fourth of July, we have at four o'clock, 4:30 under the tree. We have a special Shiva puja. We do the anniversary of our installation of that Shiva. So anyway, thank you for your kind attention once again. Jai Jagannath, Jai Sitaram.